The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up. All thoughts uh, towards the Lone Star Four Star, right? Uh, Riley Van Poppel in uh, making that announcement on Twitter. We'll hit up Greg Smith. We'll do a stream yard with Mr. Greg. Big recruiting weekend for Nebraska Six. Visitors in one defector departure uh, from the state of Nebraska going to Boomer Soonerland. We'll tell you about that. Uh, Coach McBride with us in one hour. And then we'll get some film study with uh, Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore. What's his take on Riley Van Poppel? We'll get a link sent to Greg. And uh, you can get in 466-3776-466-37-76-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can always email the show Chris at com. So that's uh, on the, the line today. We'll dive into some recruiting, some football thoughts uh, the topic of lowering the temperature, how does that uh, happen? It's good momentum. It's good feelings right now for Nebraska with uh, the way they've been recruiting. The uh, visits keep piling up. They've done an exceptional job with official visits, unofficial visits, and Friday night light camps. Another rendition set for this Saturday. What uh, the here and now can translate this summer into the fall you may have seen on social media 75 days till ireland and northwestern are here and uh, a big thing for nebraska is going to be that chemistry a big thing for nebraska is going to be what they get done in june but let's focus on riley van poppel for a moment he's the news of the day and listen it's it used to just kind of be taken for granted Nebraska and Texas ability, the ability to go down into Texas and get some linemen like an Aaron Graham or go get a quarterback like a Tommy Armstrong or a Turner Gill or go find, uh, you know, a skill guy or a backer, right? Uh, Julius Jackson, a phenomenal linebacker for Nebraska during the late 90s. I mean, Nebraska did what they wanted in Missouri and in Texas and in Kansas it was it was a no-brainer. Broderick Thomas, of course, uh, the great uh, outside backer, rush end for Nebraska uh, from from the Houston area. But it's been uh, quite a while for Nebraska to do work in the state of Texas, right? Brant Banks 
is a guy that's that's from that Houston region, and uh, he was a defensive lineman that that is now on the offensive line. So I look at Van Poppel, uh, Argyle, Texas. I I know a lot about his dad because when I was a teenager, early teens. Everyone wanted the Todd Van Poppel rookie card because he was the next phenom and he was headed to, to Oakland to play his pro baseball. But this was a pretty thorough process. And I don't know if you're like me when you look at uh, peer recruitment, but Van Poppel's not just a, a nice name that's put some great stats up and has a great frame. Uh, the, the, a lot of the college football world wanted him already an official visit to Tennessee was slated to go to Michigan on an official visit that isn't going to happen but Arizona State and Cal were after him as well as Florida State and Arkansas both the Colorados K-State and Purdue along with Wisconsin and Vandy so boom I see Wisconsin on that list I see Michigan on that list I see Tennessee on that list they're not going after guys they think can play. They're going after guys they know can play and translate to high college-level football. So Nebraska able to get him, and uh, that's pretty nice. And Van Poppel, I, I think just in looking at a couple of different interviews, and I know Greg Smith's running him down if he hasn't already, but it just felt different. It felt genuine. It felt authentic. Those are some of the key words that uh, that Nebraska uh, really imparted on a guy like Van Poppel. And we talk a lot about Mickey Joseph. We talk uh, a lot about Bill Bush, deservedly so. But Nebraska's got really a three-headed new monster in recruiting. And, and Brian Applewhite's part of that, that monster squad, which is, which is great for Nebraska. He is adamant about getting guys from his state, Texas being the TCU guy, back up to Lincoln. And when it comes to scouting and profiling and fighting for guys in his region, Applewhite's worried about, you know, covering the football, not turning it over, getting four and a half, five yards of carry. But his other responsibility is to go get talent for another one's room, i.e. Coach Dawson. And this was uh, this was really well done, Elijah. It was a situation where, uh, Applewhite saw this kid, knew about him, went down to get him, and uh, Vince Ginta also being from Baylor. Uh, both those factors played heavily here with Nebraska going into Texas and getting a four-star uh, defensive lineman. That's very versatile. And for all that's been made of, oh, Nebraska can't go down and, and recruit Texas now they're not in the Big 12, it, it, it's not what it used to be, Texas, but Nebraska still with consistency goes down and gets a, a guy or two from Texas. It feels like every single recruiting cycle, and I, I think they've had a guy from How Texas. How easy is it, right? It's not easy, but but there's some good names they've they've pulled from down in Texas. You look at Brendan Hymas, a uh, Texas kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maurice Washington, despite being short-lived, uh, was a guy they, they nabbed out of Texas. Omar Manning's another Texas kid. Um, Nebraska's had success down in the Lone Star State, and it's not four or five guys coming in like it used to be. It's not the Rex Burkheads, uh, the, the pipeline that it used to be from yeah, down in Texas. I, but Nebraska I omitted Rex. Down there. Forgive me on that. <laughs> but like, Nebraska still has the ability to go down there and get guys uh, when they choose to. And I guess we'll see if that changes now with Texas going off to the SEC, if now Texas is going to be exclusively for SEC schools. But I mean, the worry was when Nebraska left the Big 12, oh, they won't be able to recruit Texas anymore. And they're still getting a guy or two every single class. 
And the worry is moving forward on oh, now that Texas is going to the SEC. No one's going to be able to recruit Texas. But I have a feeling Nebraska is still going to be able to continue going down to Texas. This, this is a, a, another guy in a long line of Texas kids, even dating back from the, the Bo Pliny, Mike Riley era mm-hmm. of, of guys that are coming up to Nebraska. And hopefully we'll be able to find success. Well, and, and the thing, too, with, with the, the Lone Star State, it's, it's not as easy. It's not that Nebraska doesn't have good name recognition or, van, or, or, or brand value down there. I think they do with plenty of the coaches. I mean, that's where Tim Beck spent a lot of years coaching and winning high school ball down there. But you're, you're just not in that state anymore twice a year, home or away, right? I mean, Texas and A&M and Baylor and, and Tech aren't coming up every other year. You're getting to Texas school at home, and you're getting to Texas school on the road in the old Big 12. You were able to, to be showcased, whether it was an ABC game or kids just saw the, the game and saw Nebraska roll down and perform pretty well down in Texas. It, it's, it's been different. It's been an issue uh, because you're not, you're not there, but it's also a lot to do. A lot of it has to do with Nebraska on the scoreboard. Nebraska's a, a far cry from what they were the last time they were in Texas, and that was playing in a Big 12 championship game, or I should say the, the, the 2010 game at A&M uh, where, where that was uh, another bitter pill, but you, you get my point. Uh, so what what is Nebraska lacked in Texas? It's not that a Ron Brown or a Bill Bush don't have people they know in Texas, but it's not quite like it was with a Tim Beck down there, right, or even a Mike Riley. I mean, Hymas was a, was a Westlake kid, right? And uh, there's there's people you know and coaches you know when you contact. Having Coach Applewhite uh, be down there for what he was with TCU and know the high school coaches and know the programs in the region and know what film to go check out is is huge. It's absolutely huge. And, and I think you've... You've broadened your connections base. You've got Becton and Fisher in that Sunbelt region in Georgia and in Florida, right? you got Bill Bush now in the 500-mile radius and then different parts of where he's been. Bill Bush has been to Jersey. He's been to uh, the, the upper Midwest. He's been to, to the, the desert Southwest. I mean, he he's covered well there. And, uh, of course, you, you have a guy like Mickey Joseph. I mean, the SEC uh, region is is his backyard. And now you have a guy in the state of Texas, in Applewhite, that's going to work his connections, has been able to scout talent. And then uh, I think you've got a good list and, and group of developers to, to refine that talent. That's the, the good news for Nebraska today. As uh, Riley Van Poppel is in. I've done some quick research here before we, we change topics. Dating back to 2010, Nebraska has only had one class where they didn't pull at least one kid from Texas. But I w- did go back and check some uh, Big 12 era uh, recruiting classes back in 2009. Three to four. Uh, you want to go back to 2003? They, they, they lived in Texas. I mean, back in 2009, they pulled seven kids mm-hmm. from Texas. In 2010, they pulled six. In 2011, they also pulled six. Uh, 2012, I can do some quick counting here if you wouldn't mind. I mean, that, that's really where you get the, the transition. In 2012, they had Tommy Armstrong being the first guy they had out of Texas. Aaron Curry, a defensive tackle, mm-hmm. never really played. Uh, another kid they pulled out of Texas. So as soon as you got that Big 12 
or the Big Ten switch, you drop from six to two. But Nebraska has still been pulling one or two guys out of Texas, if not three, every single year uh, aside from 2016. Well, and, and they've they've done well in the portal from Texas. It's not quite high school recruiting, but uh, you know what? If we're staying on the, the Texas topic, we'll, we'll go there. Another announcement came down, and this is the stud linebacker, great player in the state of Nebraska, Cade McIntyre. The outside linebacker is going boomer. He committed on social media about 30 minutes ago to Oklahoma, and that is a a bit of a blow. I know Nebraska was not real quick to jump on him. It's not that they haven't seen him or been in touch they had him down early for for his uh his official i think a couple weeks ago and i believe he was also in town for the junior day right so it's, it's not like he's not experienced nebraska but his first big offer i think was either oklahoma or tennessee it might have been oklahoma but but then uh then Tennessee jumped in, and then Nebraska offered. So I think Nebraska was further back in line with the offer for for Cade McIntyre. Uh, there are some other in-state prospects Nebraska's looking at. And you want Cade McIntyre to go have a, a great career. You want him to have a strong senior season. And I hope all of that happens. But it's still just doesn't get any easier for Nebraska fans when uh, a guy leaves the state that you think is good enough, you know is good enough to play here, at least the rest of the college world, football world thinks so, when you get Oklahoma and in Tennessee offering. Tell me, you'd probably know better than me, does Brent Venables have any Nebraska connections that I don't know about? Because he's, no, had, he's no, had success no, coming that, into the state, or at least the, the, the region, and pulling kids. I here's mean, his Isaiah connection. Simmons was a first-round pick coming out of Boys Town. Well, I think Isaiah was a North Kansas City kid. North Kansas City kid that ended up... I think playing for a year at Boys Town, correct? Am I, am I wrong there? I don't think he's a Boys Town guy. As Simmons was just a kid out of Kansas. Y- you have a guy like Venables. He's from Kansas. Okay, he's from small town Kansas. Ah, uh, uh, sorry. I had a, Isaiah Simmons born in Omaha and then moved. To, yeah, his uh, to folks Kansas City. were with Nebraska Furniture Mart, then yeah. moved to Kansas City. But Venables has small town Kansas roots and connections. That's how a guy from Clemson hears about a guy like Simmons when there's players that are similar to Simmons, except Simmons was great, as good as advertised, and then got developed at Clemson. No, don't kid yourself. Venable still has connections around the region, around Nebraska's 500-mile radius, and he absolutely. And that goes back to Venable's being with Stoops at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. You're in state. Here's one of my assistants. Uh, granted, he was he was D coordinator at K State under Schneider before he took the the Florida D coordinator gig uh, under Spurrier and then got the bump to to OU for for twenty years. But no, Venables is is a, is a Midwest guy. He's a Kansas dude. I forget the the exact town he's from. Maybe he's Wichita, but he's got Wichita. He's got Kansas City. Um, he is for sure going to be a thorn more so now than ever he may come pluck a guy or two when he was at clemson he'll live uh in in that region because there's a lot of really good football players that kansas city region of course but also some in-state kansas kids that he'll be all over 
he'll he'll be all over it. Leopold also is going to keep doing work in the in the state of Kansas, and we talk about Nebraska protecting their own. Well, they want to get more into the the Kansas Kansas City Missouri St Louis for sure region and now Texas, but it'll be a it'll be a dogfight and Venables uh, strikes one in the Cornhusker state as the new Sooner coach. And uh, it's not that long till they visit Lincoln. Off and running on a Monday. Great to be with you as we dive in. Uh, big recruiting recap on the way. Greg Smith going to join us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get Greg's take on the weekend visitors, his thoughts on the Van Poppel commitment, and also the uh, McIntyre commitment to Oklahoma. Kind of giving you our thoughts on it. And uh, more so to come with Charlie McBride. We'll get Chuck's take on things. And then uh, Jay Moore will have thoughts. Jay Bird will give some film study on uh, Riley Van Poppel. Great to have you in. It's Hale Varsity. And uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. A team you never get to see is making their way to Werner Park June 7th through the 12th, and that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It's the first meeting between the two franchises, and there's plenty going on that week. June 9th is the Chasers Community Celebration for Pride Night, presented by PayPal. June 10th is What If Night, where the Storm Chasers will change their name to the Hogs. A little backstory, that was a previous Omaha team and was a potential name change when the franchise was looking to rebrand. It's a battle of pigs versus hogs. You can't have a name change without new jerseys too. Specialty jerseys will be worn that night. And of course, they'll be autographed and auctioned off. Snag your favorite player June 10th and then run it back on the 11th. It's Salute to Corn Night presented by the Nebraska Corn Board. It's a celebration of all things corn. Corn on the jerseys, corn in the stands. Trust me, this game will be amazing. See you there. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for spending time at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're talking recruiting. Greg Smith joins us, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. The Straight Up Breakdown, his podcast on the Heard At Media channel. And uh, that uh, home to so many great podcasts at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. We're streaming Greg live. He got all ready for the camera. He's got his White Sox lid on ESPN Lincoln Facebook and also ESPN Lincoln Twitter. Greg, another busy weekend, another weekend of visitors. And we'll start with Riley Van Poppel, four-star kid out of Argyle, Texas. Dad was a... Pretty filthy uh, pitcher in a great way. That's a compliment. And, uh, man, Nebraska may have uh, another good one here uh, on the uh, the dotted line here with Riley. Yeah, I, I really like the pickup uh, for the Huskers here. As you get your first defensive lineman for the 2023 class, uh, you get back into Texas, which is always good for Husker fans to hear. Um, and I really like him as a prospect, a versatile kid that could either play 3-4 uh, defensive end for Nebraska or 4-3 defensive tackle, depending on which way they end up going uh, with that defensive front. And he's kind of he's got some athleticism to him as well. If you look at his huddle film, they got him playing a little H-back, a little fullback, uh, though he is going to play on the defensive line here not not fullback don't want to put that out there uh but i like to pick up a lot for the huskers greg we we look at versatility and we know nebraska wants to be able to do different things on the defensive line and his film was nice really good burst to 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 kind of 
shoot through the the A gap, but also, man, he ran stuff down outside the pocket. So the motor's there, but uh, there's so much they can do with with his frame. Yeah, there absolutely is. And I think he's a kid that, you know, you let him get in the lab with Zach Duvall and company for a year or so. Um, Like most defensive linemen, that's not a knock on him at all. Um, I think defensive line is the hardest thing for a young kid to come in right away and play. So let him get in the lab, build his body up a little bit, reshape it. Um, And I think you've got real good tools to work with down the road. Greg, when you look at the guys on Nebraska's defense right now, what, what's the better comp for Van Poppel? Is it more of the, the Garrett Nelson build? Or is it more of the Ty Robinson build or, or someone altogether completely different? I think it's closer to Ty Robinson than Garrett Rob, than Garrett Nelson. Um, excuse me, um, it, but he's not he's not as big as Ty Robinson is. Ty Robinson is a really unique guy when it comes to his size and athleticism combo. He just is. That's why he was so highly recruited coming out of high school. Uh, but he's definitely closer to that than he is Garrett Nelson. He'll play more of that interior of the defensive line moving forward. I think. Greg Smith with us recruiting uh, update here. The. Visit weekend at Greg Smith HV on Twitter with Hale Varsity. So there, there's a, a slew of, of visitors that came in. You have a, a bunch of offers to Van Poppel that were recruitable offers. Let's talk a little bit here about Coach Applewhite, how he fits into this, and, and how big he's going to be, not only for the Van Poppel get, but moving forward in Texas for Nebraska. Yeah, man, that Brian Applewhite has, has proven to be a really under-the-radar, I guess, pickup for Nebraska. And, and I guess it makes sense, right? Because of how highly touted and the reputation of Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush coming on his staff were that kind of – it kind of got overlooked what Applewhite, Applewhite brings to the table. As you already see him, you know, get guys in on the 2022 class, look, kind of led by A.J. Allen. Anthony Grant, was, a, it was a, he was a factor with as well. But then Van Poppel, um, Applewhite was the lead recruiter for him, and then it kind of got – turned over to Dawson and Shenander. Um, you have Zaylance Hurd, who was here over the weekend um, from the same high school as A.J. Applewhite. So Brian Applewhite, or, or as A.J. Allen, mm-hmm. Brian Applewhite, really familiar with him as well. And there are other guys, too. There are the running backs in the class, other Texas recruits. Um, Applewhite has proven to be, you know, a real key figure in Nebraska's recruiting operation right now. Is it fair to say it's not that Nebraska didn't have any Texas connections, but do they have – a stronger connection in Texas now with Applewhite. And, and Elijah and I were talking, you got to go back to uh, Coach Beck, right, uh, and and his prowess in the state as a high school coach and all the kids he pulled, the, the last being Tommy Armstrong from San Antonio. But is it just a matter of not having anybody that really, in the past at least, maybe had the connections that, that Applewhite does? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a different level of ties to those high school coaches in Texas that Applewhite has. And we kind of know, and we've seen this with like University of Texas head coaches, right? When those guys don't have ties to the high school coaches, they don't get those players, right? So if you see it from those guys, you're going to see it from assistants with other schools. But I think Applewhite has been down there long enough and has a respect of those guys um, that he's able to pull guys out of, out of Texas. Greg, you, you mentioned the work that Coach Applewhite was doing on Zaylin's Hurts. I want to quickly move to the offensive line. Still sounds like Nebraska has two to three spots available for offensive linemen. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. But uh, there are a, a couple names to be watching. I saw you uh, you put out that Caden Green has canceled his official visit to Michigan, so maybe touch on that. But you also had uh, J.R. Sia and Zaylin's Hurts in town this weekend. So can you tell me a little about them as well? 
Yeah, I think that offensive line, first of all, is something that people never get tired of talking about, right? I feel like every day it's the most commonly asked question. Now it's no longer quarterback. Now it's always about the offensive line. Um, Zaylin Turner is a really talented kid. I think that he's close to a top 100 player um, out of Louisiana and a kid that Nebraska got him on campus first for, for official visits. So they get to set the bar there. I haven't caught up with him yet, but I know that things went really well on that official visit. Um, you mentioned Jay Arcia, who said that he wants to make a decision sooner rather than later, um, and the Huskers really kind of blew him and his family away. You know, first time to Nebraska, the guys don't know what to expect, but he gets here, he sees the stadium, sees the city and the new facility being built, um, and CI, I think Nebraska's in a good spot with. Caden Green, it's still going to be tough. Like, the, the Michigan visit being canceled is definitely helpful because they were one of the top teams in his recruitment. Um, you still have to overcome Oklahoma on that, but I'll take my chances with Bill Bush kind of leading the charge there. And I know that Bush is all over Green and Dylan Edwards for that matter out of that area would nebraska take all three of these guys if they can get them out like what's the the scholarship count looking like for the offensive line I don't know if they would take all three. I think that two is the safer bet. I know for sure they're going to try to get at least one more offensive lineman. And I'm still pretty confident that one of these bigger names that Nebraska's after on the old line, I just have a feeling that they're going to get. I think that they're recruiting them too well and too hard um, not to, especially if they can start the season off well. But I think that two, um, depending on how the numbers shake out, but if you don't take a guy somewhere else, maybe you have an extra spot for an offensive lineman. I definitely think those conversations are being had. Greg, let's stay with the Oklahoma theme. Cade McIntyre says Boomer, the uh, standout outside backer from Fremont Bergen. So that's two of the top in-state prospects going well south. Uh, you have Flores to Okie State, now McIntyre to Oklahoma. Who else is on Nebraska's radar, an outside backer with the high school ranks uh, now that McIntyre's off the board? And how big a blow is that? Yeah, I, I do think that it's a blow more. A lot of it is perception, right? PR, I think that's right. Kind of what is he? I think this is what it came down to with the way that Cage felt about that offer. And it's funny, I was just, I said it earlier on our YouTube channel, is that I feel like he thinks, and right or wrong, it's his feeling that Nebraska offered him too late. Now, Oklahoma offered him later, and then he ended up subsequently committing to them after taking an official visit. But Oklahoma is not the in-state school. That's the key difference here. I think that they felt a little jilted that, you know, they're in state right down the road and Nebraska kind of drug their feet. Uh, when it comes to other outside linebackers, the guy that was here last weekend, um, I really like him, Adonija Green, um, who's still a Louisville commit, but he's really intent on taking all of his official visits. Um, I think that he's a really good outside linebacker edge type. You, obviously, you still have Maverick Noonan um, kind of in that mix. That visit to Iowa did not happen this weekend, so I would keep an eye on that uh, between Nebraska and Stanford. And then Kelsey Howard is a guy out of Nevada who's going to be coming out um, this coming weekend as well. I think there's still a lot of outside linebacker edge targets out there for the Huskers, despite McIntyre going to Oklahoma, where he may be recruited as a tight end. Okay, so there's the other side of that, but I, I wasn't sure in the order of the offer list. I know Vol, I know the Vols uh, were, were really early to offer, like a major, major school to, to come in, and uh, they uh, they pulled the trigger on McIntyre, and I, was, I I thought Nebraska offered after OU. I was corrected. Thank you for that. But your 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 uh, take on just you know maybe how the family or the kids feeling with the school 
just down the road, not not being on top of me, is early. Uh, let's let's go to Oklahoma. Uh, Phil Picotti, uh, let's get some thoughts on him. He's an inside backer. He's a Pennsylvania kid. He's got a slew of high-level offers as well, and he was in town this weekend. Yeah, he he absolutely was, and he's a guy that I just love on film. I think he had like 143 tackles as a junior and like 22 tackles for loss. Um, anytime you pile up those types of numbers, you're going to jump off of the page. I think the big thing for him this weekend was is Nebraska was able to show him that they are, you know, a team that really, really wants him to be in the program. I think that the relationship with Barrett Rude is strong there. Um, now, he's got some really strong suitors. You know, we keep talking about Oklahoma. They, they continue to come up, um, and that's going to be a big thing this recruiting cycle it seems like but Oklahoma is after him he went on an official visit out there I know that coming up on Tuesday he's actually going to take a midweek visit out to Michigan and then a weekend visit to Auburn so we'll kind of see how that goes but the Huskers are right there in the mix that's the second time they've had him on campus and they've impressed both times and I think improved their position it's how far do they actually have to come to catch up in that recruitment to what I think is Oklahoma as the leader right now Greg uh, this weekend another Friday Night Lights in store any any names you can share or just some general thoughts here for for the round the second round of this yeah, I think that this weekend might be the weekend of a couple of quarterbacks uh, coming to town and a couple of one in state that, that's a future guy that you've probably seen go viral and Mikey Gow uh, for Bellevue East. And then there's a kid, I think in the 24 or 25 class, there's too many kids. Um, Jack Wallace out of Iowa that's actually been on campus a couple of times. He's a real good looking future quarterback prospect as well. I think that this camp will actually be bigger than the first one. You'll have more kids out there to watch. Uh, but that list is still kind of coming together, at least on my end. And it'll be another big official visit weekend and then i think the the guy that we want to get back on campus this weekend that's in on the commit list dwight boodle quietly mm-hmm. has not been back on campus since he committed so getting him back this weekend will be a big deal surrounded by some of those uncommitted kids greg really fast here gal with the quarterback out of bellevue west he went viral for throwing ambidextrously if i remember correctly is he going to be throwing with both arms at friday night lights this weekend I will be really curious if he does that. I know he did it at the Northwestern camp. I saw the highlights on Twitter, so I'll I'll be curious to see if he does it here for Nebraska um, and how he performs for Bellevue East last year. He started as a freshman, um, and we'll kind of see how his progression goes from there, but he's definitely, you know, taking advantage of all these camps. Greg, a thought here, two in-state prospects. Nagoy, uh, Benny, uh, obviously was at Iowa State last weekend, and then Davon Hall out of Bell West, the wideout. uh, Any feel from you where where they're leaning or they're liking uh, as they've uh, been able to see a lot of different spots yeah, it's early in the process still for Hall, and I think there's more offers to come from for him. He just picked up Arkansas over the weekend. I think more SEC schools are going to continue to offer him. I like Nebraska's chances with him. As long as Mickey Joseph is around, that's a broken record, but it's the truth. As long as Mickey's around, I like their chances. Benny is an interesting one because he's taken a visit to Washington two weekends ago. Iowa State this past weekend doesn't have an official set to Nebraska yet, and that kind of concerns me as to where he ends up on their board, right? And I don't know which position they see him best at um so I, I feel like at this point he's leaning towards leaving the state but that may be something where he just doesn't fall high enough on the Huskers board greg smith recruiting insider with hail varsity greg thanks for the time hey have a good one guys
Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches, will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, we're not far from College World Series action. And uh, we'll have some of that coverage here locally and uh, out in central Nebraska with the, the Superstation, some CWS coverage a week from today. And how do you feel about Tennessee? Where you want the balls to get here, their fan base, their unwavering chorus of Rocky Top, <laughs> the uh, memory of Jordan Beck flipping off Georgia Tech uh, as he rounded the bases a, a little more than a week ago. Was that Georgia Tech or Auburn? I think it was, it Georgia, was Georgia Tech. Tech. So... They, they, they're bat flipping, trash talking, cocky baseball, and you either see that as fun or you see that as just totally over the top. Depends on your personality. Not right, not wrong, but just is. And and I think the the world, if we're going to weigh the scales here, Tennessee baseball and their arrogance. Or the arrogance of Notre Dame. Those scales ain't moving. They're tied. <laughs> okay? they, they just are. <laughs> but but Notre Dame's going to the College World Series. And I, I know Coach Jim Hansen's smiling. And, you know, there's enough Notre Dame fans in, in Omaha. It'll, it'll be fine. There's Notre, It's a national thing. I, I get it. But... Man, it was just shocking. I mean, it's shocking to me that Dave Van Horn's not won a College World Series title. Arkansas gets a crack at it again. I know Arkansas probably rubbed you a little long a, a year ago uh, with their uh, their battle against Nebraska. But uh, A&M's here. You're going to have uh, Texas and you know, no one really likes Texas, but they've been kind of an institution. I mean, they they get to the CWS quite often in their history and, and with their lineup they might be my my favorite to take it as the as the field stands right now exactly you still have stanford and yukon that's underway you have auburn oregon state am i right there yes that's uh tonight and then the, the field will be set so i don't know the more I, northern schools the better get tennessee out of here it's i mean like sure they had a great regular season i believe they had the lowest era in the nation and they, the most they, home runs they in the nation did but and they, i mean they're knocking on the 60 win number i mean, I mean that, people were saying that they were the best team since what 2000 miami they were loaded they were incredible and then for them to, to fall short i mean it was but would you have run a guy somehow some way if he's walking around the bases it's one thing that to to do the the Ricky Henderson pimp walk around the bases after a home run. It's quite another to absolutely fly the bird as you round second. <laughs> that, that that shouldn't happen, but it did. I'd, I'd run a kid in high school baseball, and you'd probably get run in, in in college baseball as well. 
Yeah, the umpire probably didn't see it. Well, well, yeah, because once it's walk off time, you guys turn and run for the safe house. <laughs> you get the hell out of you there. Do, you do because your jurisdiction ends as soon as you leave uh-huh. the field of play. And you gotta eventually find the parking lot. <laughs> but you want your jurisdiction to end as soon as possible. That's no longer your problem. You're getting off the field. You're you're making sure he touches first, and then you are beelining <laughs> towards your dugout. <laughs> I've never seen that. Like the the the, the bad flips have been more demonstrative. And us kids of the 80s and 90s always remember, remember Ricky Henderson. Like, Ricky'd hit one, and he led the world in, in leadoff home runs. Power guy that clearly was incredible on the base paths. But Ricky'd, Ricky'd like, touch himself and grab his shirt and then start the pimp walk. And it, but now, this is a whole new level of absurd, where we're a week, a week out from... Or, or passed from the, the kid flipping the bird, flying the bird around the bases. I'll give it to Tennessee, though. Like, the the bat flips and the celebrations and the cockiness, it's fun whenever you're winning. But as soon as you lose, I mean, you, you have welcomed the the vitriol you're about to, oh, the to get haters. from the fans. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they, are the, they are the live college baseball version of your favorite evil character when it comes to professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, that's that's what they became, and the world's laughing that they didn't get in. See, I was gonna say it's like the Kanye West of of uh, college baseball. Love him or hate him, whenever he's up, the people who love him are gonna you're, be you're loving watching. it. Whenever he's down, people are uh, are gonna be hating. But um, let me pose the question to you: As the field stands right now, have you picked out a bandwagon team this year? Oh, I'm gonna go Oregon State just because if, if they make if it. they make it, I'm gonna go Oregon State just because of. Uh, our our relationship with with Coach Casey, and mm-hmm. I know he's not there anymore, but what he did with that program. Oh, he was on the broadcast last night. I'm not sure if you you tuned in for that, but he joined I was in bed early. He, he joined the broadcast booth and just talked about the fact that this field that they were playing at was it was chain link fence behind the backstop. Sure. It's and probably the old buck before the old buck. They'd be yeah. lucky to get a couple hundred people in there for a game, and now it's one of the best college baseball environments in the country. Just a beautiful field, beautiful facilities, and he built all that. He did, and it's not. And guess what? It's not. It's not Uncle Phil. They're a Nike school, but it's not. I mean, you're the arch rival of, of the Nike billionaire. And, and you, you did that. You built that. You put guys into the majors and you've won championships. And Bill Moose uh, was an eyelash away from getting you here for a meeting to take the job. And Pat Casey's like, dude, go get Will Bolt. Bill, go get Will Bolt. Do it now. And and, and uh, the Moose made that happen. Nebraska will regroup, and hopefully we'll be talking a year from now that, uh, that Nebraska's on the right path with uh, with postseason baseball. And if you're looking for a bandwagon team this, uh, this College World Series, allow me to introduce you to this Ole Miss Rebels baseball team. The Rebs are hot. As of uh, just under two months ago, they were 6-16 six and 16 in conference play. Just terrible. They got hot at the right time. They're off to their first College World Series since 2014 and only their second in the past 50 years. Uh, they got a great team. And if you like beer showers, Ole Miss loves beer showers as well. So I'm hoping to get out for uh, some outfield seats and hoping I get a experience a beer shower in Omaha you just great. you love you some some Ole Miss and is your boy Lane Blaine's coming up he asked on Twitter does this TD Ameritrade or whatever it's called now do they allow dogs because he's got this this pop 
that that he goes everywhere with. Like the pup had great seats in the private jet for the SEC spring meetings, mm-hmm. and I think it's a, a lab of some sort, uh, a, a lab puppy. But that's apparently that's the only uh, the only mammal that can can stand being around Lane twenty four seven. Hey, he does well recruiting, so. Absolutely, he does. Maybe he just connects better with 18-year-olds than people like yourself. Well, I, I, don't, I like Lane. When he was at SC, he was great. Um, as far, assistant. <laughs> assistant. No, I love Lane. I love his attitude. I love how funny he is. He's grown up quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, he wants to, to bring his pup to, uh, to Omaha. So uh, while you're getting your beer shower, secure an interview with uh, Lane and his dog. I can probably get the dog. I'm not sure I can pull Lane. We'll see about that. Yeah. It's like Baxter from Anchorman. <laughs> speak Spanish. We'll uh, wind down this first hour. Plenty to get into with Charlie McBride. We'll get his, uh, his pick for the CWS bandwagon. Also some thoughts on roles. Jay Moore also next hour. It's Hail Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, is uh, excited to spend time with Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt, next hour. Anxious to talk to him a little bit about roles, right? What's the role of some of the, the stalwarts that are coming back on that defense and some of the newcomers that are coming from programs that have had quite a bit of success? What type of merger can happen? And then, you know, how do you get the young guys up to speed? Because you'll need all hands for a pretty good 2022 season. Really good write-up and uh, projection by Steve Marek with Hale Varsity. He dove into just the importance of October for Nebraska football. We'll get coaches' take on that. you got to eat what's on your plate first. And how does September end? Are you, are you unbeaten in September? Are you 3-1? and one, Or are you... Dare I say two and two going into October, as October seems much more doable for Nebraska because of who you get. I mean, if if things go well and you get off on that right foot in September, October's, listen, Purdue's not easy. Neither is Illinois. I mean, they haven't been anyway, but you have Indiana and Rutgers after the bye week. I mean, do you have a shot at an unbeaten October? Well, yeah, you have a shot. You have a shot at a three and one uh, September. So could you could you end the first two months of college football as we're seventy five days away, uh, seven and one or eight and zero? Oh? And I know that's crazy talk coming off a three and nine season, but if it does get going in the right direction, uh, why not? I mean, we're not that far removed from Nebraska being 6-0 and or 7-0 and and ranked 6. That feels forever ago because it's also the same season. You ended up going bowling against Tennessee in the Music City Bowl, but you were you were ranked 6th or ninth in back-to-back weeks. Listen, it, it can happen. It was funny. I think I retweeted something uh, for Amir Abdullah's birthday today, and they were showing Nebraska-Miami highlights from that that stormy night, just because the hurricanes were in town, it was perfect weather. But that that uh, bloodlust 
night game non-conference showdown with the Canes when Miami finally came back to Lincoln after all those years playing in the Orange Bowl against Miami, and Amir went off. Great ball game, different Amir, vintage Amir, uh, where he went for 235 yards. And somebody tweeted in, what is that little number next to Nebraska's name? Well, it was a ranking. <laughs> okay, it it was a ranking for for Nebraska, and listen, it's not that hard to get ranked. Eh, it's not. Nebraska's made it look pretty hard. Well, you look at the record and the sub five hundred and the steps back and the steps forward, and not ever gaining any forward progress in that aspect but it's okay and easy to get ranked it's a lot harder to stay ranked <laughs> is is the issue so uh, we'll go there uh, with uh, with Nebraska and their schedule we'll spend a lot of time with coach McPride I'm anxious to hear if he's also dove into some chicken wings he's a big chicken wing guy did he have a weekend full of chicken wings Hour two is coming up. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's that time, a Monday with Charlie. We say hi to Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Coach, it's 103. You want to go for a run? <laughs> it was 90-something here today, and it was like mud. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels outside, too. I know. Well, it we're going to end up. We're 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 going to end up in the in the heat belt. Mm-hmm. I think I think the, um, the the summer's going to be if it's that like that now. Can you imagine what it's going to be like later? I don't want to imagine, but you're right on the lake. Is the is the water still uh, too cold, cold to jump in, or are you going to jump in anyway? If it's going to be a hundred, I've been. Everybody's been in. That's a good it's answer. Why, it's, it's getting it. It's getting there, but it. You know, if it stays like this, it'll end up being like jumping in a bathtub. <laughs> I get it. Did you have any chicken wings this weekend? Last time we talked, you were we, we were discussing wings, and and I I had my fill of wings and carny a couple of weeks ago, and and I got to get back on the old wing train. But did you have any? No, we we're saving them because uh, in about I think um, in about the end of this month 
um, all my family will be here, and they're all chicken wing crazy, and we we've got a bunch of them saved up for them, like right. about fifty pounds of them in the freezer. So, how do you do? You grill them? Do you bake them? Yeah. Do you air fry them? We grill them. Okay. We grill them. We got a couple of guys think they're chefs. <laughs> Well, let me ask you, do you split the drum from the flat? This is a new way I've been doing it where I don't even bother buying them split. I just buy them together. You can get them just a little bit cheaper. Don't even bother splitting them. Just cook them whole, and they end up just as good, and they're more filling that way. <laughs> well, the thing is, is what what we do, we don't, we don't, uh, we, we like the smaller ones, so we try to hunt up those. They're, they cook faster, and they actually are better. Okay. And those great big wings that are look like huge drumsticks. Yeah, well, that's all right. Elijah can have those big old chicken wings. Yeah. Well, if you have any extra big ones in your freezer that you don't think they're going to be any good, you can send them my way. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll do that. Coach, <laughs> uh, let's talk a little football. And I'm interested to get your thoughts. Uh, last week, towards the end of the week, you had the USA Today. They've got a lawsuit going uh, in reference to the Freedom of Information Act, they want to know specifically what are the metrics that Trev Halberts has for Coach Frost and also Coach Hoiberg. So I want I want your thoughts as to maybe what's what's been laid out. I don't know if you know or not, but just your take on on what kind of deems next year successful for for this football team. Well, the, the thing is, is first of all, I, I think any time a uni, all universities are in a different uh, pay scales and um, different rules, state rules they have for um, coaches. I know uh, Colorado's one where you can't pay your coach as much as they get at other universities and things like that. They have a lot of rules. You can't get more money than the governor or whatever it is, I, you know, that kind of stuff. So every state is is completely different, and to me, it's like your it's like your account. Mm-hmm. It's private. Sure. What I do with my money is my business. And uh, when they start suing universities and stuff, or and telling them how they control their money, unless unless it is a state doing it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they've broken some rules. And that's a little maybe maybe a little different, but when you when you actually are are deducting money from a person who you've already given money to before, but taken because he hasn't done the the job that you anticipated he was going to do, that that to me that's that's normal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that that's either that or walk mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, if it, and of course, if you if you walk, uh, then you don't get paid. If you get fired, that's different. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to pay them. And um, you know, to me, when you cut money, and some uh, university cuts money, to me, that's a that's that's a showing some, you know, some something good mm-hmm. if they're saving money. Well, so, and yeah. and I look at it too. I mean, you've had the restructuring of the contract. There's metrics, and, and metrics to oh. me means 
be bowl eligible or better, right? I mean, and the other part of it, too, is as a coach, you know this. Wins will come, but it, it, it's also how you look. Does the team look better, right? Are they are they less self-injury yeah. prone? Right. I mean, there's so many things. <laughs> I remember we've gone through years where all of a sudden we have a whole bunch of knee injuries, and then the next year we have a whole bunch of shoulder injuries, and it's like in cycles, it's mm. almost. And I think when here you got a guy in the Ohio State going like in thirteen million a year. Come on, <laughs> you know. And I think uh, Nick Saban even said it himself. He was getting. He went from like seven to nine million, and he said, "There's no coach in this country worth nine million dollars." You know, and you know, but it, he didn't. He didn't ask for it. But I guarantee you, what his agent may have. <laughs> That's a good hide. You hide behind your agent when he's the one doing the dirty work anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, but I I just think this whole thing is turning into a circus. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, to me, anytime you can save money or take money away from somebody that hasn't proven their worth, and that's that's it. To me. What bothers what bothers me is to see throughout the country a coach uh, is making X amount of dollars, and all of a sudden his and he wins what? Let's say he wins. He got ten games and he wins four of them or three of them, and and uh, they give him a raise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they give assistant coaches a raise, and everybody gets a raise. I'll guarantee you what, when we were, it wouldn't be a race. It'd be a letter threatening your job. Mm-hmm. And um, so I can turn around and say, well, years in the past, I've done this and this and this. And uh, I deserve that. And we're just having an off year. And they come back, you better come back and do something good. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it's a, you know, coaching is kind of a deal that you, you should get paid what you're worth. I mean, if you do a good job recruiting and you do a good job, of, your team gets a, does a good job of playing and keep your nose clean. To me, that 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 warrants more money. And again, the academic side of it is also important. Charlie McBride's with us on Monday with Charlie Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, interested in your thoughts with the the new coaches that are on staff. And I bring it up because Nebraska got a really pretty high-level recruit today from from Texas uh, on the defensive line, uh, Riley Van Poppel, uh, good-looking, good-looking kid. And uh, Coach Applewhite, his region is Texas. He's the guy that was at TCU, played for Joe Glenn, coached with Joe Glenn. You know Joe. And uh, he's made a made a difference not only in, in some of the portal gets from Texas, but now on the recruiting trail because that was his region. And with with Coach Applewhite, with Mickey, with with Bush, uh, with Riola, can these new voices help the team in some tight games? I mean, you and I both think uh, because you live in the Big Ten, there's going to be. Quite a few one-score games. Nebraska's not performed well in one-score games. Can these new guys help some of their kids prevail in these tight ball games? Are they going to be an, an asset on game day? Well, I, 
you know, sometimes I look at it a little different and, and because every school is in a, a geographic situation of uh, population. And mm-hmm. if you look at, uh, well, Ohio State or Michigan or the population or Penn State that's in the area, you know, there's there's some cases where you almost don't have to go out, but you don't even have to go out overnight. I mean, right. you've got an area, um, and and it's it's usually in that area, and then somebody will be going outside, and and usually it's the guy that is familiar with the area that they're going to. Hmm. Like if you got a guy go that don't knows Florida, you go, you might go to Florida. If you got a guy that knows California, you might go there or Texas, whatever the case is. And I I I can see that a lot of guys on our staff have connections in the South uh, that they've had. Um, so, you know, it only makes sense that you probably would have, a if you know all the people in that area, like I went to Chicago and I knew probably half the coaches very well in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I could walk into school and, and feel comfortable and that they would feel comfortable and I would get a straight answer out of them because they didn't, I'd come right back after them and, you know, and they understood that. And but a new guy comes in, it's a little, it's a little harder mm-hmm. to break into an area. But that's what that's what some some teams have to do when you don't have a population uh, where you can do what what a lot of them can do. Penn State, for example, one time I remember Paterno even saying that he was never out overnight. He used Jersey, fly down there, and come back and back and forth and. The, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, you asked, um, you know, Bobby Bowden, he never was out overnight, ever. Uh, even if he was talking to a kid in Minnesota, he flew back. Mm. And uh, so uh, it, it's all, I think it's all location and and, and where, where your staff fits in the best. Did you guys ever feel overwhelmed or ultra-challenged? I mean, you were winning a lot of ball games and... You had a great, a great group. You and Milt and mm-hmm. Coach Brown and Frank and Jack and I mean, and Coach, of course, Coach Osborne. But you guys did great work locally. But man, you guys well, were tireless nationally because of all your different connections. Well, you know, first of all, I really believe that you know if you if. <laughs> If you stay, if you if you just let your home state go, you're you're also letting your fans go too. I mean, there there's there's some people that come to the games, and I won't say a huge percentage, but a lot of big percentage of them will come because they have kids in their area playing and they want to see them play, mm-hmm. and and things like that. Plus, the fact is that I've always said that, you know, um, I've lost kids to their state school. And when I do that, if I ever did, I would never hold it against that player. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I would never, ever think anything but the best for him. Because that, to me, that's what we're trying to do at our in our state. And why wouldn't that school in that state try to do it? And if, and if we win, good. Mm-hmm. But if it would happen where we don't win, and which is the case most of the time, uh, you know, I'm happy for this. If the kid's made his decision where he wants to go and that's what he wants to do, 
I'm not going to jump up and down, but I'm I, I'm not going to get all worked up about it because he's doing probably what's right for uh, for him and his family. Nebraska lost an in-state kid about an hour ago from Fremont to Oklahoma. Do you ever hear that? Well, that's you know that when you let me tell you something. The word the word around is is they're not winning and not gonna. They're down in the tank. They're bottom feeders. I mean, I've I've heard all kinds of things from from guys that you know, um, you know, guys out. In, you know, of course, Colorado's one place, but mm-hmm. Colorado, you'd be surprised how many people are for for Nebraska. For Nebraska. Okay. You know, I mean, they are. It's not as bad either way. I think, but I I I just um, you know getting getting kids to. To, to commit and to do things to me is their thing. Mm-hmm. I used to tell a kid, he, he'll say, "I want to, I want to, I want to come to school here." Okay, especially on a weekend. And I said, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to just go out that front door, and you walk around this campus by yourself, and see how you feel about it." You know. See, see if your gut tells you, man, this is where I want to go. I feel good about this place. Something inside of them is going to tell you, I want to go here. You know, it's not going to. It's going to be something inside that 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 recruit. Mm. And if I have to talk them into doing something, and I've done the wrong thing, probably, mm. and and he isn't happy here, or something happens, and and that's why I said you better tell them the truth. Because you don't ever want them to come back and say, "Well, you said this and this and that," because you're going to lose people. Charlie McBride's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Charlie, before we get you out, have you picked a bandwagon team for the College World Series? We got Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Texas A&M all in the field. It looks like Stanford is about to punch their ticket as well. They're up big on UConn right now. Have you picked a bandwagon team? Well, it looks like a pretty good group, and I, you know, when you. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame's always going to have people everywhere. I, they, they, I mean, they'll, they have people that that are great fans of Notre Dame uh, that didn't go to school there. Like Nebraska's the same thing a little bit in some ways. But uh, you know, some of these fans are are fans of coaches, you know, um, and and things like that. I mean, they coach so and so was. But is that our school and we're, you know, we're behind him and because our school isn't there and so on and so forth. So you, your, your fan base that comes out of that, I think it's a good, I think personally, I think it's a good bunch of players. <laughs> I mean, good bunch mm-hmm. of teams. Now, I've seen some of them, you know, play and, uh, you know, that to me, it's going to be one of the better uh, World Series in my, in my mind. Should be pretty good. Coach, we'll check in next week with you. Thanks so much, and get them get them wings dethawed. <laughs> I want to try to find some new recipes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about it. Coach, you take care. Okay, okay. thanks for having me. Bye now. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe 
and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Blackshirt Husker NFLer, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up, Jay Moore with us. And Jay Bird, I know it's been a, a weekend of golf for you with uh, what's been going on. We'll get to the U.S. Open in a minute, but also big uh, weekend for Nebraska football. They get a commit in Riley Van Poppel out of the great state of Texas. We'll start there. Some impressions. It's not every day anymore, Jaybird, that Nebraska gets a gets a Texas commit specifically on the defensive line. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, we we've had a we've had a good history down in Texas, and obviously that was because of us being in the Big Twelve and you know playing A and M and and Baylor and Texas Tech and obviously uh, University of Texas and Oklahoma is obviously really close as well. So that was always a plus. You know, we'd get probably three or four kids out of Texas every year. But since going to the Big Ten, that's, uh, you know, that's not, that hasn't been accomplished. So going down there, and and the nice thing is, is, you know, Texas plays such a high-level brand of football down there. You know, their 5As are are dang near, you know, Division Three type, you know, football. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, it's good stuff. So when you go down there and, and, and get kids and, um, get a good athlete, like this guy, watch a little film on him and pretty versatile. I know he played uh, tight end, defensive end, but uh, they kind of lined him up with the nose quite a bit and they you know, lined him up defensive tackle. So he can kind of do a little bit of everything, you know, has a, has a really good frame, six four two sixty five. So obviously you'll be able to, you know, throw another 20, 30 pounds on him and, and he'll, he'll be, uh, be able to move and, and keep that athleticism and uh, and build and i don't see you know he's i don't foresee him being a, a day one i think he's a guy that you know he'll have to uh, put on those pounds that i mentioned previously and and get better and and work on his technique and, and his fundamentals because even though texas football is good it's not big 10 uh good yet so he'll have to develop but again opening up that pipeline down the state of texas is, is very important uh for this for this football program is he a pretty good prototype for what Nebraska wants to do defensively, and that's be able to flip-flop between a 3-4 and a 4-3 is his skill set, athleticism, uh, just just a really nice fit. Well, it will be interesting to see, I guess, what their plan is for him, just to, what they want to do with his body size. Like I said, he's already, you know, and again, some of those high school numbers are always a little skewed. So if they say 6'4", 265, you're like, okay, what does he actually weigh now? But if he's going to be, you know, I played – you know, at a four-three defensive end, now it's two seventy-five, two eighty. So that's not the obvious. That's only ten to fifteen pounds off. So if they want to keep him, you know, as a four-three defensive end type guy, then he's, you know, he could potentially stay at where he's at and just obviously get stronger and, and use and learn the techniques and develop that stuff better. The hand, the hand placement, the footwork, the pad level that you need to play with at a Division One level. But then if they want to, you know. You can make him 285, 290, and you could probably still do them both. Just always interesting to see how your guys handle weight. And are they able to still be, be mobile, athletic, you know, light on their feet when they, you know, gain 20 to, you know, 25 pounds? 
um, as this might be the case. So that's mm-hmm. it's one of those things you got to kind of you don't know until he gets here and he goes through you know winter conditioning and, and you know he gets that good food and training table and and all the you know attention on those sides. So I think he, he you know I think he fits either way. You could play him as a three technique. You could play him as a as a as a five technique in a in a four three or even a five technique in a in a three four or four I which is just uh, slightly inside the tackle. So he could probably do, be multiple. So I think this is probably why it's a, it's a good fit for Nebraska. Now, Jay, Riley's a guy that played, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, tight end and H-back in addition to his duties along the, the defensive line where they really moved him around. And then you also look at the, the father uh, of Van Poppel. That's Todd Van Poppel, Major League Baseball pitcher for, uh, I think, about 10 seasons. I had his rookie card. Yeah, his rookie card. Wow, he was, he was one of those future stars, supposed to be the next great. You remember that, Jay Bird? Oh yeah, that name. Now that it's he's Todd Van Poppel, that that rings a bell. Oakland, Oakland back I think. In my heyday. Yeah, yeah, that was my heyday of my baseball time too. Well, yeah, that, that's uh, that's Riley Van Poppel's dad. So whenever you're coming from an athletic background like that, and you're playing some spots on the offense that require a little more athleticism, tight end and H back, how, how well does that translate to the defensive line? I think a lot of people think of defensive linemen as the, the big uglies guys that are just there to fill some space but that's not really the mold that van poppel comes from oh no absolutely absolutely not you know i i can speak to this very well i was a, i was an back. i was a running back in high school and i came in and played defensive end i think that's you just want to get the best athletes up there and that's you know you can you can get you can teach uh, you can get kids stronger you can teach them better techniques and fundamentals but you, it's hard getting kids more athletic that's a god-given trait so we have guys that can play both ways and, you know, call it a tight end or, or an H-back, wherever it may be. I, I think just getting the best athletes at every position, that, that's a win from on day one. So I think that's a, that's a huge plus that, you know, in the film, you know, I've seen it. I mean, they, they, they loop them around a lot. They, they move them around. Like I said, he was playing defensive end, nose tackle, you know, the H-back, uh, tight end. So that's nice that, that, that he can kind of check every box from a high school and again it's you know this is we're still talking about high school football but it's, it's nice to see that but they, he definitely has some athletic ability and obviously uh when you hear you know who his dad was it, it sure makes sense what what impressed you most and what i liked about his film jay is how he was quick enough to shoot through and and maybe he's out weight or outsized but he was still able with some strength and agility to, to, to kind of shoot through but he also, Jay, he did a great job of chasing stuff down outside the pocket. What did you like about his film? Yeah, he, definitely high high effort guy. You know, that's that's what you need in football. That's what you gotta, if he's going to play defense, you, you got to be a thousand miles an hour every play. You know, you, you got to be a high intensity, high motor guy to play defensive line. That's there's no if no if ands or buts about that. So that was that was really nice to see. I thought, thought he had a pretty good get off. You mentioned mm-hmm. him getting. You know, breaking through. He has he has a little burst off his get off. So there's some athletic ability there. Uh, you know, technique wise, it's it's hard to see exactly what you know he from the film. You know, it's hard to see exactly what's going on from sideline copies to really get a good idea of what kind of technique and stuff he's playing with as a D lineman. You need the end zone shots. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a ton of that was in his in his film, but you know, the guy has the tools, right? He has he has the framework. Now Nebraska kind of has to go and and develop that. And add, give him more tools. Add more tools to that tool belt, so he can be, become the best player he can possibly be. Jay, I uh, wanted to get a thought on some of the roles in that defensive line room. Uh, you're going to have new faces and Win and Drew and, and Oshan. You've got your 
kind of staple and and Garrett Nelson and, and Caleb Tanner and Ty Robinson. Those are the the mainstays, and then you got a lot of young pops. As far as roles go with that starting front four or three or however they want to go, you know, who do you see being the leader and, and what what are you asking some of the new faces to do other than perform on third and long? Yeah, I think I think you gotta have Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, you know, Ty Robinson, you gotta be your, your main three guys if you wanna call I know those guys are technically outside linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um within this defense, but those guys have been there. I think I, I would circle Ty. I've, I have very high hopes for him. You know, he has he's shown splashes of being an NFL type talent, but he has to become more consistent. I know he's I know he's still young and, you know, the whole it, I, I, I can't even tell you what you know, what grade these guys in because of the whole COVID uh, year thing, but uh, he's uh, he's got he's to perform, and I think the fact that these guys have, you know, have been here with with Chins and, and Dawson is long enough, and so they they know they know what's expected, and it's just when these new guys come along with with uh, Oshawn Matthews guys and and uh, the kid out of Alabama and the kid out of Texas Tech, you know, it's going to bring some competitiveness in that room. But it's also you got to embrace those guys, you, you know, that that's going to they're going to make your D line room better, and they're going to you know, and the competition is going to make everyone better. And so that's that's so that's going to bring up everyone's game in that room. So that's a, that's a really good thing, in my opinion. The young guys, you know, it's just come on, let's let's go. Like you're going to be called upon. We lost some guys to the NFL. We lost some guys to some transfers. It's time to it's time to step up and take you know opportunities now. There's plenty of opportunities, and if they if those young guys are willing to come up and grab it, it's it's there for the taking. But if they don't. You know, but then it's going to be a pretty thin D line room, and you know you can't you can't uh, you can't put guys out there if they're not ready. And I know Chenander and Dawson won't do that. So those young guys got to step up, and then, like I said, the opportunity is there for them. They they can go grab it if if they want it. But if they don't, then you're going to be you know you're going to be watching a lot from the sidelines again. Jay, you mentioned the fact that I mean some of these young guys are going to have to step up and and get some experience at least in the early half of the year. Is there any way to to scheme around that in order to to take a little bit of pressure off the defensive line? Say blitz some extra linebackers on some running downs. Like like what can be done by Chenander in order to to take a little pressure off these young guys? You can do a little bit of that. I think you know having sometimes when you have you do do some blitzing or some stunts, you kind of have one focal point because a lot of times in your base stuff you have to pay attention to about three to four different scenarios right okay if you get this block whatever but then i gotta stay backside if i get this block i gotta be uh play side you know i gotta spill i gotta set the edge whatever it be there's gonna be multiple scenarios but sometimes you're like all right we're gonna run this blitz and all you gotta do is shoot a gap and just stay there you know and you can just go and that's i think that's what you kind of do with some young guys you can say hey we're gonna do this just go Obviously, you still got to, you know, do your role within that play call or within that defense. You can't just be out there going crazy. But you kind of you take some of those extra stuff off their plate where they can kind of just focus on that one thing. So there are some things. But, again, you got to be also be able to trust them, you know, to play every down football too because you, you can't just say, okay, we got, you know, <laughs> they're smart, smart coaches on the other side. They're like, okay, we got some young guys in and, We've seen uh, that they've decided to do this blitz or do this, you know, when they've been in here. So let's run this play call to offset that blitz. So you gotta, you gotta be kind of careful when you're gonna kind of pick and choose 
you know, those scenarios to to to, uh, to do those types of things. But you know, but you know, you got they got to trial by fire sometimes. You know, with sending some of these guys out there, you got to see what they can do in you know in the in live bullet action, like I always say. But uh, which you know, unfortunately, you got to play a Big Ten opponent in the first game too. So if it maybe it was a uh, you know a North Dakota State or whoever it may be. In it, South Dakota State, whoever, you know, that you might be able to, you know, get some, you know, those younger guys some earlier action. But, you know, you gotta, you might have to trust them <laughs> against against a Big Ten opponent in, in, in uh, game one. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Co-host Big Red Wrap-Up, Jay Moore with this. And Jay Bird, Rory took down the Canadian Open, uh, gave a shadeful shout-out to the Shark. You've got Phil in front of the microphone today as uh, he was part of the, the Live Tournament, of course, and now he's back ready for the U.S. Open. Phil didn't say a ton, but he doesn't look like the, the, the jovial Phil. How uh, excited are you for the U.S. Open, and what do you make of the PGA suspensions. Super excited for the U.S. Open. It's my second favorite event behind the Masters. Love the historic history of Brookline Country Club and Francis. We met. We all know that story. Mm-hmm. The movie was made on it, and uh, so obviously really excited for that. This whole lift golf thing. It's. I mean, the PGA Tour has to do it. You know, to try to protect their brand, but I can't fault these guys for going over there and taking hundreds of millions of dollars or guaranteed money, you know, and that's, they got to make choices for, you know, for their future, for their financial situations. And it's, I can't blame Dustin Johnson being like, you're going to give me 125 million. Sweet. Tiger, Tiger's made 121 million in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, so the money's there. You, you can't, I can't blame anyone. And I, I mean, if you want to get into the political sides of it, where the money's coming from and in Saudi Arabia and, so on and so forth. Well, okay, whatever. I mean, it's didn't didn't do that, but uh, it's 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 too bad. It's it's kind of put a little bit of a you know a damper on the U.S. Open this week. And I Phil wasn't obviously he's got to you know walk on eggshells because I mean he you know made that one comment you know what was that six months ago four months ago I don't know where that was and yeah. boom I mean just it, things blew up on him so. It, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see this thing kind of go through and see how this develops, and you know how many more guys continue to go over. And if if so, what is the PJ Tour stance then going to be if they keep losing guys? Because they have more money than they know what to do with over there. You know, if they could, I mean, I don't know how much. It's billions of dollars they have earmarked for this tour. So there's tons of money they can throw out these guys. So it'll be interesting to see who goes and who stays and. 
you know, who's going to, you know, toe the line and et cetera. But, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of fun to, to, to talk about and, and uh, forecast. But, yeah, excited for the U.S. Open this week at Brookline. And hopefully they get some good weather and we get some good golf. Who's, uh, who's your pick? Oh, man. You know who? I was looking. Cam, I like Cam Smith a lot this week. You know, this isn't, uh, this isn't you know, an Aaron Hills type golf course where, you know, it kind of favored the, the Bombers. This is kind of a more strategic, you know, point A to point B type type golf course. So I like him. I like a guy who just who played well at the final round this last week in, in Canada in, in uh, Corey Connors. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has been uh, a good player here the last few years. He's kind of been struggling, but I think he's coming to his own. Max Homa is another guy that I think is kind of a sneaky guy that could, could win this thing. You know, U.S. Open is always interesting. You have your top guys, but it seems like, you know, your 50 to 60th player in the world always has a good shot at winning this tournament. So, you know, there's there's hundreds of guys, and that's why it's the U.S. Open. So, well, just like I said, hopefully it's good golf, and, you know, it's a, a true U.S. Open test. You know, you'll get some firm, fast greens, some, some uh, heavy rough, and see what these guys can do. You were on the doorstep of getting there, weren't you, a couple of years ago? I got well. I was for yeah, amateur I was exemption. Al- I was an alternate, not to get to the U.S. Open. I was an alternate to uh, advance to the to the second stage where you have to play for thirty six holes. Gotcha. So that's that's where I, that was, and I didn't get into the, the sectional sites as an alternate. But I, I guess you can you can say that close. I'll keep trying. I'll do my best to keep trying to to eventually get to a sectional. But you have to play your tail off for thirty six holes. That's it's, it's a brutal grind to play well, and I've, I've caddied before in one of those and on one of those days, and it's—I mean, I was wiped, and mm-hmm. I didn't even hit a single golf shot. So those are those are—that's a grind. But I'll keep giving it a try, and who, who knows, maybe I'll catch lightning in a bottle one day. Well, when you go, uh, the the first couple of rounds are on us. So. Uh, drink, drinks, drinks. <laughs> Jay Moore with his black shirt, Husker NFLer, and uh, golf insider, of course, and uh, co-host. Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, be good. Thanks for the update today, bud. Appreciate catching up with you. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Good to spend time with black shirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore. We've got a couple of minutes left this segment. Interesting read from Scott Docterman, friend of the show with The Athletic. They uh, went uh, inside Iowa football recruiting. I'd love to get a updated version of Nebraska. The thing that's unique, Elijah, is Iowa's pretty much doubled in their production. Uh, from about 2010 to 2016, they produced... Oh, on average of about almost nine three-star or or better prospects over the last six years, it's been 81. 81 three-star or better prospects from 2017 through 2022. And the a lot of the college football world loves to infiltrate. I mean, Ohio State and Alabama both have gotten a kid out of Iowa here in the last five years. Minnesota will come knocking. Iowa and Iowa State, of course, have had really good seasons. That's uh, their home turf, their home territory. But Nebraska will still try and get into Iowa. Uh, You have Kansas that wants to get into Iowa. And it was a kind of a confidential uh, on the heels of the anonymous coaching talk towards Nebraska. You have some of the in-state coaches 
that were just honest in their assessment of Nebraska, and it wasn't positive. It was, well, I'm surprised that Nebraska doesn't visit us more often, and if they do visit, we've got to have a player for them. And if we don't have a player, they won't visit. The other part of it, too, is, well, you know, Iowa Western's right there, and they've had pretty much zero. They have one kid, I think, coming, or they're trying to get one kid from Iowa Western. One kid did sign this last cycle from JUCO. But overall, Nebraska's had minimal to zero success at Iowa Western Community College. Now, they did give high grades to Coach Janander, down-to-earth, straight-up dude, and that's not new news. Coach Chins is awesome. But but the, I think that coach went on to, to say a little bit later was, but I'm not going to say anything bad about any of these guys. Shenander stands out, but they're all recruiters. Their their job is to get to high schoolers and their coaches to like you. Yeah. yeah. The best salesman of the, the groups that invade Iowa, P.J. Fleck. Uh, he got that nod, but really some high-level grades given to the assistants and Iowa and Iowa State divvy up regions of the state to uh, to each assistant. And, man, pretty telling about Nebraska. Nebraska's had more and more the last couple, three years, and another 2023 crop of in-state talent and some 2024. Uh, it's not been a clean sweep by any means for Nebraska. The good news is you get a Van Poppel out of Texas. The tough news is you lose a Caden McIntyre to Oklahoma. Some uh, interesting comments from Coach McBride on what he's hearing from coaches about Nebraska. We started off Hour 2 with him. We'll wind out a Monday next on Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, get the podcast, subscribe to us, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take it. We love the feedback. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you find Hale Varsity Radio six days a week. Uh, Record numbers for us in May. God love you. Thanks for doing that, and keep on subscribing. Tell a friend. Reminder to get buckled up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives and prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. This message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Kudos to uh, REMAX Lincoln Southwest. They didn't win the tournament at Westside this weekend. Had a tough one against uh, Bellevue. Check that. Millard West on Friday night. But they uh, they got it handled in walk-off fashion against Millard South. So we'll regroup. The kids I dropped Junior off over at the high school. It was going to be a team-only practice, so they were all out there on the football field getting ready to have some uh, some camaraderie, and uh, no doubt 
sweat out any imperfections before we get ready for Colorado. Did you uh, did you make it through your golf round on Saturday before the rain hit? Oh, that was hilarious! Uh, hilarious, not for not not for my my wife or in laws. They were in Beatrice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, hail. Yeah, I saw, like yeah. softball size hail. Yeah, uh, Grandma Jody's Buick got dismantled. Oh no, uh, due to the hail. But yeah, I, I was fine. I was having beers in the clubhouse, man. <laughs> Nothing wrong with she, that. She called me and was like, "Are you are you okay?" I mean, I was like, "Yeah, what do you mean?" I, 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 mean, I shot forty six. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm having a celebratory beer. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, well, we're in a Mexican restaurant, hunkered down. There's this giant piece of hail in our salsa bowl that pretty much took up the salsa bowl. Mm-hmm. So she's okay and everyone's fine. But man, that was pretty wicked. Yeah, we. Each, uh, I was out there uh, umpiring some baseball, and we were in the bottom half of the final inning, and uh, with one out, starts hailing. I was trying to get so through that were, game. Were you in in Beatrice's? I well? was not. I was up in uh, Ashland, actually, and uh, we were in the final inning, the, the the bottom half. Tries trying to make it through. You can see the. I mean, the clouds are dark, and we had thunder Looked rolling, horrible. and I, I didn't see any lightning strikes. So I'm gonna just keep it rolling until. I start feeling some hail bouncing off me, and I go, okay, it's time to, mm-hmm. it's time to call this game. So we called it, waited in the dugout, see if we get the, uh, the second game of the doubleheader, and we could not, and I headed home and watched some UFC. It wasn't a bad night. Well, we, um, we are off to Denver. We leave Thursday morning. So it's the Elijah Show on Thursday. Gracias for that, good sir. Uh, Friday as well. We have afternoon games Friday in, uh, well, Castle Rock, actually. So I'll be coming to you from uh, somewhere in Denver not a dispensary before you throw in some cheap comment, Elijah, mm. Saturday morning. Uh, I'll be locked in on KFOR for you Friday morning, uh, and uh, I'll be en route Thursday. So good stuff today. Great stuff from Charlie McBride and Jay Moore. Greg Smith, incredible, all over it with some recruiting recon tomorrow. It's a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski will join us. Brad Edwards, college football insider and college baseball cws aficionado 25 years with espn most of those years uh, part of the road to omaha so we'll get his take on some football and baseball tomorrow and then our dear friend mitch sherman from the athletic his take on uh, the state of husker nation talk to you at four tomorrow on hail varsity thanks a huda media production